I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Women are shifting the way the world is built and run. And Keen Utility is helping them do it. By designing tradeswomen tested work boots and shoes that are inspired and vetted by real tradeswomen on the ground. Visit keenfootwear.com slash tradeswomen tested. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Seven, six, five, four, three. Good evening, everybody. It's that magic moment. It is 8.30 Eastern time on your Swatch Watch. That's right. It's corner-to-corner time. We are live at C2CRadioShow.com and BeyondRingside.com. It's a multiple-location station. As we're doing the quarantine thing... Two-thirds of the triple threat strong here. It's myself, Stan Grove, my tag partner, as always, Brian Taylor. What's going on, peeps? And, Brian, we are joined by the Magic City Motormouth himself, Fast Eddie Lane. Crickets, that's the story of my career. (laughs) (laughs) Give credit where it's due. Last uh, segment of SmackDown actually was entertaining. A little long, but definitely entertaining. I was laughing. I don't know how many people probably got all the references, but I, I left. It was rotten. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Vince is in effort mode now. <laughs> He's like, ah, we're going to do whatever I want, <laughs> which is not much different than what he usually does. So. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but so now's a classic time for me, right? right, to do what some of these other feds do. Like New Japan, there's very few storylines, right? A lot of times it's just plain wrestling, mm-hmm. right? AEW is kind of the same way. There's one or two major storylines, but for the most part, they haven't really built any smaller ones. Right. Just go out there and throw them together. Go, just tell them, go be entertaining. Go do whatever you want. You, you can't say this. You can't do this. You got to remember you're in the storyline. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just let them go have fun. And and watch what happens. He might be he might be shocked. They can have fun. They're all scared for their jobs. Well, I, yeah, I, I understand that. But again, think about it. So I didn't watch SmackDown, but apparently, what was it? Uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, right? Yeah, right. And they get kicked out of the building or something. Yeah, yeah. They end the show with the twenty uh, fifth anniversary celebration. And basically, Vince closes it out by shutting the lights off on him. Yeah, I mean, just go have fun. Forget the script for a while. Forget any other worries you may have. Just go have fun. At least, mm-hmm. at least give me a week, right? Let, let's let's call Raw 
we're going to have fun Raw, and it was called SmackDown. We had fun on Raw. We're going to have fun on SmackDown. Right. You know what I'm saying? I just go have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the storylines for a week. Let's just go wrestle. Yeah. Let's let guys like Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt and some of these guys that can talk go cut promos. I don't mic drop it if you have to. Just go do whatever. Let's Mm -hmm. just have fun. Who can cut the best pipe bomb? Go do it. Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. You got car blogs, you know? (laughs) Right. Make yourself famous, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're Tom uh, Phillips and Byron Saxton, then of course you have to find a way to wake up and do something creative. <laughs> I like Byron Saxton. Tom Phillips is kind of vanilla to me. It's kind of like watching paint dry. Well, what happened to the other ones? Were they that bad? They just booted them? So, yeah. <laughs> Vic Josephs, um, he is quarantined in California, I think. Not willing okay. to fly out. Uh, Nigel McGinnis is overseas at home, so that makes sense there. Um, Morrow, same situation. He's in California. Doesn't feel like going going to fly to Florida. I don't blame him. Um, Beth Phoenix, same thing. So, am I forgetting other other people? Because Cole is Cole's there. Graves is there. And you got uh, yeah. Lawler dropping ramen noodle references. Oh, God. He's a moron. <laughs> I dare you bring up that topic. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I got no problem with that. What am I going to lose? <laughs> what, what, is my door going to suddenly get knocked on and there's a cease and desist or not say Lawler's name? For crying out loud. This guy, so Akira Tozawa is a tremendous performer, former WWE Cruiserweight champion. I think he's even held the 24-7 title before. Whatever. But... He has a match, has has a great showing for himself, and does a dive, basically a tope suicida, as Excalibur would call it, <clears throat> who also, by the way, is calling calling matches from his home. Um, but anyway, Tozawa dives off the top. This was two weeks ago, and Jerry Lawler, in all his idiotic brilliance, calls it the ramen noodle moonsault. You know... How's it a moonsault if it's a... Tope... Tope, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, in his just sheer idiocy, he makes this comment, and it's all over Twitter. It it doesn't even take 20 seconds. Every news outlet in the world is calling Jerry Lawler a racist. My uh, my Twitter feed blows up with it. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I'm a social justice warrior, and I sit behind my keyboard, and I watch stuff to make sure people don't say things that, that are going to offend me. You know, the person to whom the comment was directed may not have been offended, but uh, damn it, I'm important enough behind in my mommy's basement to where I can be offended for them. Wow. Brian, I didn't know now, Brian was here. Yeah, now I'm offended for him. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my hot pockets! <laughs> Like, I, I mean, Mom, Mom he, used the, he used the ramen noodle reference about an Asian person. That's about as bad as me ordering Asian food from Egg Roll Express. Well, wait a sec. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, you can't tell me you don't see the the racial issue there. I get it. I get what he was trying to do, but you don't see I see it? it was a dated reference by Jerry Lawler, who is, who is he's like Captain America. He's the man out of time right now. T- 
10 years right ago, <laughs> five years ago, nobody would have complained about that, Stan. 20 years ago, we'd have laughed our asses off. But because I mean, it's so fashionable to be offended, we have to be offended at every little thing that comes down the pike. Oh, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not offended. Maybe I'm offended for Akira Tozawa, I guess. <laughs> but am I personally offended? No. Do I think it's stupid and ill-timed? Absolutely. The last thing WWE needs right now, especially right now, as Vince McMahon is yet again heading to court because he's getting sued for wrongful termination to breach a contract by former XFL commissioner and CEO, Oliver Luck. Oliver Luck. He's getting ready to head back to court. So the last thing he needs right now is another potentially glaring, negative, and now racially tied problem. <clears throat> I mean, I don't personally believe Jerry Lawler to be racist or anything stupid like that. I would never go that far. But it was definitely a dumb bonehead move. I, yeah, I mean, I guess in this woke world. Uh, did you just, you didn't you know, do that. You know. I did. Woke. I I, I called, I, I said it was a woke world. Where, you know, in, in some regards, I can see Eddie's argument that uh you know you don't really have to get offended by everything especially if it doesn't pertain to you true um and the fact that he's probably doing what lawler tries to do best by playing the heel which i think is a passe for commentator i agree especially him because he's got no face commentator to play off of um, you Plus know, he was cheered. trying to do, he was trying to do his job. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just think you got to watch what you say in the woke world. It's the new woke order. Yeah. yeah. There you go. The oh. new woke order. <laughs> Sonny Chase, that one's for you. The new woke order. I got to send him a uh, any, any, He'll love any that. Any of my friends at Pro Wrestling Tees want to just drop <laughs> that out? Hey, I get full commission. No, you. Yeah, I'll give you partial commission. <laughs> <laughs> a new woke order. Because we're going to take your argument from last week. You may have come up with the idea, but I put it in play, so that makes me responsible for your success. Oh, okay. so. guess what? Hey, that Vince McMahon did. You did I'm Vince McMahon did, yes. <laughs> you did it on your show, which is broadcast on my network. <laughs> I know. See what I'm saying? It's Dutch door, right? <laughs> Y'all are 50, evil. 50, 50, 50, me and you, right? You get me the show and you. Nobody else. 50, 50. <laughs> Stan's not in this deal. Rob's not in this deal. Me and you. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this woke nonsense. <laughs> If I can make a buck off of it, I'll take it. But I'm not. Gonna, I'll make money the right way. Capitalism. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> That's so funny. You so funny. No, you know, you know. If it's the woke order, it's going to be some stupid kumbaya nonsense. Yeah, play a Sarah McLaughlin song or a diary. <laughs> in the arms of an angel. <laughs> and here's the sad part about it I like Sarah McLaughlin and Dido Okay <laughs> uh, which is sad Yeah that's where the crickets around. are coming in <laughs> Cricket <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Yeah Yeah 
I have very diverse taste in music because here's the thing. I made the statement during the uh, previous during the, uh, Beyond Ringside Live earlier tonight here on the Beyond Ringside Radio Network. Um, I wish that once we get this back in some semblance of normalcy and anybody else who says the new normal, I will put my foot so far up their ass they can floss their teeth with my shoelaces. I want Vince McMahon to find a way to get the next WrestleMania back down to Tampa. Because mm. now here's the trick. Remember the piece of music that they genuinely used to start Mania? Yes. Not the one by the weekend, which I'm a really big fan of the song. I love it. Weekend is awesome. You're talking For about... those about to rock, we oh, salute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. I thought you meant like the original now, WrestleMania theme like back in the day. Now, can you imagine 70,000 people in Raymond James Stadium with that pirate ship at one end of those cannons going off in time to the music? Yeah, I, and... Speaking of that, I really think that if they'd mix that beginning up just a little bit, and, you know, just changed it around a little bit, it probably would have been one of the best openings for WrestleMania ever. Because remember, ACDC, according to legend, normally uses that song to end their live show when I've always thought that would be the perfect way to lead off a live show. Definitely. Because, you, yeah, I mean, that or, okay, look, Thunderstruck is a given. <laughs> if you've ever seen the concert video of ACDC doing that song in uh, Santiago at the soccer field and just watching, uh, I think it's like 100-plus thousand people uh, creating a human pogo wave during that song, it's just like that. That that is just the ultimate rush. ACDC's come out with some great music over the years. Hold on, I'll be right back. We'll be right here. <laughs> All right. I think ACDC is one of those uh, bands that just puts you in a position where you could be pumped up for like anything. Like literally, you could be at a funeral, they could play ACDC, and you'd be like, "Yes, let's do this." Yeah. You'd be like, "Let's go!" And yeah. people around you're like, "Dude, it's 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 not that kind of thing." But okay. Yeah, I thought using it at the World Parcheesi tournament was a little bit much. All right. Well, about time. All right, I'm back. Let's do this. <laughs> we popping what tops we up in here. <laughs> oh, it's just a coke. It's a coke. Well, now oh, I'm just a coke. And now I've got settle to settle down, winos. Damn it. Settle down. <laughs> no, wait a minute. If I drink beer, I can't be a wino. Ooh, I didn't want to call you an alky. It's a woke world. Oh, I'm damn it. No more woke. Death to the woke. <laughs> this is Sonny Chase's fault. I blame you, Sonny. It was Matt Hardy's fault. And him is. If too- Matt Hardy had never started that woke and crap. It's not okay. <laughs> no, a matter of fact, it blows. <laughs> So, of course, this week we're talking about Dark Side of the Ring. Season 2 has started. We're going to dive into that. But before we do that, I wanted us to talk just for a couple minutes about, hey, what are the things we're doing during this stupid-ass pandemic where we can't go anywhere? I'm working. Working. That's right. You're in the gig economy, so you're you're doing all sorts of stuff. You're keeping yourself yeah, as busy I, as possible. Yeah, I work um, 
because I'm a DJ by nature, but right now, wedding receptions are on hold, birthday parties are on hold, corporate dances are on, on um, corporate events are on hold, school dances are out the window, karaoke shows are out the window, pool parties are out the window for right now. So I've been supplementing my income by driving for DoorDash, Grubhub, and Amazon. So I get a chance not only to try to make a little bit of money to keep the lights on, but I also get a chance to see what people are really doing here in my neck of the woods. But outside of your the actual pay the bills time, what are you doing as a as a wrestling fan, wrestling personality, broadcasting, of course? But are, are you playing any games? You reading any magazines? Any cool books? What are you doing? Um, I spend a little bit of time surfing around Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I do read every once in a while. I'm actually looking for a new one to um. So here's one thing. Um, the Books A Million close to where I live is actually open for curb service. So I've actually been reading different reviews and synopses of different novels in everything from science fiction to fiction to nonfiction. Um, also, I have been watching the Food Network to get some ideas for some new recipes to try. Because, you know, last weekend we dealt with uh, tornadoes, straight line winds, power outages. Mm-hmm. So I had a chance to break out um, to fire up the grill and try a little something different. So how can I take, you know, I go to the store and I'm buying broccoli and peppers, asparagus, zucchini, yellow squash, yellow onions, white onions, all of the above. I mean, I'm buying different vegetables and what can I, what little tip or trick can I do this time? What can I pick up that's going to make the outcome a little bit different? My favorite thing to do is veggie kebabs. Veggie kebabs? Yeah. Veggie kebabs. You take yellow onion, white onion, you quarter them. You turn around and you take red pepper, green pepper, yellow pepper, or orange. Uh, quarter those out. Uh, not necessarily strips, but bigger than strips. Um, you can take zucchini, uh, which holds up very well. Uh, yellow squash has a tendency to get a little bit too uh, melty. Mm-hmm. Um, just different things like uh, I will take portobello mushrooms and I will quarter those and skewer them on there. So it's like you rotate the different vegetables that you put on there. Hmm. Now, if I really want to, and I've done this 100,000 times, I can take chicken or I can take steak. Um, fish doesn't really work on the kebab theory. <clears throat> Fine by me. <clears throat> yeah. salmon, salmon just breaks apart and disappears. But um, no, Best way to do it. Most, yeah, I'll take my vegetables. I'll marinate them depending on exactly what mood I'm in. Um, you know, I'll even take fresh garlic, um, skewer that on there as well, the clove, uh, to give it a different. And I will take um, fire up the grill, traditional charcoal with some hickory chips, and I'll prepare my kebabs that way. It's different. It's healthy and good tasting food. Hmm. Pretty cool. So Eddie has busied himself with the culinary side of life. Brian, how about yourself, man? I know you work in this well, but uh, when you're not working, what are you doing, man? Mm, let's see. Call of Duty. The okay. new Modern Warfare at night, all night. Um, super card still. Let's hear it for the latest quest. That was actually a really sweet quest. Yeah, well, the card is sweet, the card back is even sweeter yes um so that would be a 25th anniversary triple eight hey sis are you facetiming me from home sense again saving money that's my jam what do we think outdoor dining set 
or wicker lounge set. Since your signature dish is a margarita, go with lounge. Okay, I am so ready for this party. It's been too long. Wait, go back. Show me those pretty ceramic plates. They're melamine. Even you can't break them. Look, these cute cushions match is my shirt. Is that sh my shirt? Outfit your outdoors. Have it today at HomeSense. Standout pieces. Outstanding prices. Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average, so you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation, or a new kitchen, or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open an account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for for those of you that play so, or don't play. Brian, would yeah, you agree that this was the easiest quest we've had probably in about two years? Uh, I don't think it was easy because uh, I haven't seen that card other than the, when I use it all that often. Oh, wow. Any. Okay. And I've yet to see the card back. Um, wow. I, thought I mean, I'm sure the, the, I'm sure the WrestleMania 36 tiers, I'm sure the diehards got it. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, think about it. If you don't have a Triple H card in your deck to begin with, how often are you going to come across one? Well, and that's where Rob was struggling. He didn't have a top Triple H card, so he was struggling with... I think he said the best one he had was Monster, so that put him in the limit. Yeah, but I use the Triple H egg. You don't need... You just need a Triple H card. You don't need to have a tear on it. Put so, it in there. Use it. Roll on. I use the egg. Yeah, I use the Triple H egg from the egg hunt, the first egg hunt. So are you saying Triple H was the gobbledygooker? No, oh. no, no. He was, it was just uh, <laughs> they did uh, like uh, Easter egg cards. Oh, kind of like was, he, those who don't put a face on a Twitter account. It's got the Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Only this yeah. one has his gear on it. <laughs> yeah, this has his gear on. So it's kind of cool. But that's what I used. I mean, it, it didn't get no higher than level five. So yeah, now my top two cards is Triple H's. Uh, Brian, you said uh, Call of Duty. Do you play it on Xbox, PS4, mobile device, or PC? Oh, uh, Xbox. Xbox okay. One for me. Um, I'm on most nights, except when I work, and we either play Warzone or hardcore multiplayer. Okay, cool. And then uh, just recently we purchased the James Bond collection. <laughs> and we are three movies into that. And, and we have another 21 to go. I've also gotten the Star Trek movie collection for the first 10 movies. Damn. I dabble into that. Oh, that was cheap. That was like 20 bucks for 10 of them. You couldn't pass that up. God bless Amazon. What 10 movies? Uh, the first 10, the original, and then the next generation. Okay, so you didn't get the Chris Pine series. No, no, no. I don't think that was in there. Although I have, so I have all three of those, but uh, I, did, I don't have the voodoo code for the first Chris Pine movie. So I have the second and third one on there. See, I have one and three. I don't have two. I boycotted that one out of spite because I knew it was going to be a Revenge of Con or a Con-related movie. So, don't want that. I wasn't a big fan of that to begin with. Do what? 
One of the okay. I thought they ran the con thing in the ground between the series and the uh, second movie from the Shatner era. Con. Like, <laughs> so it, yeah. So if I have to put up with another rip off of Con, it's like let it go, people. Like Frozen, let it go. Let <laughs> it go. Let it go. Like Frozen, he says. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's pretty much about it. Now, Rob, Rob's been delved into uh, watching old school stuff, is what he told me the other day, and I know he's spending a lot of time with his kids doing stuff. Um, on this end, it's been old school Raw, so 93 from when it started to about 95. That's, uh, that's a little depressing, by the way, <laughs> just watching how bad it used to be. Um, and then, of course, Supercard, like Brian mentioned. But uh, I, I delved into the world of Fire Pro Wrestling World on P- PlayStation 4, which is a tremendous game. It might be better than mm, the past two years' 2Ks. Definitely better than this year's, even though 2K is now pretty well bug-free now. Um, but yeah. Well, uh, speaking of 2K, though, I don't know if you got the tweet. Tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. and I imagine this may very well pop up on Raw, 2K is going to unveil what's coming next Correct. in that series. That's right. The 2K series, as far as 2K21, was canceled. But yes. apparently there is a new game coming out, um, a new type of game, but we don't really know the actual premise. Not yet, anyway. We'll find out Monday. Right, and that'll... That's tomorrow at 8. It'll be unveiled. So, again, I imagine Raw is going to come into play with that. And if that's the case, I imagine it should be, in their eyes, pretty exciting. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. I'm actually looking forward to... to seeing what they try, but yeah, uh, Fire Pro has been amazing. I, Brian, you saw the different customs and creative wrestlers I downloaded. Mm. There's ridiculous amounts, and you can literally download anyone. Looking for the gobbledygooker? Download it. Looking for Medusa? Go ahead. Looking for Trish Stratus? Sure. Of course, the entire AEW roster? Yeah, it's like there. All of it. It's actually really good, and the play style is very similar to, for our hardcore gamer fans in the Sega Saturn world, six-man scramble. Very similar to that. Plays just like it, but much, much better. Um, And then, of course, last night, I found myself revisiting an old favorite, which was the Champions of the Galaxy dice game. Now, I actually (laughs) took uh, some time and watched a video on how to play it just to be sure I played it properly. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, hmm, man, I'm going to do this. I actually put together a tournament which was uh, just eight random cards that I grabbed. And uh, it took about an hour to roll it, but it was pretty fun. And and it actually shocked me with some of the results. It was pretty cool. Ended up doing, it was Daniel Bryan and Kevin Steen, or Bryan Danielson and Kevin Steen in the finals, which was pretty neat. But, like, Adam Cole gets eliminated in under two minutes. El Generico um, just barely, barely gets beaten by... uh, um, Jay Lethal. It was just some really good ones, really good matches. But uh, so that's a lot of fun. Tom Filsinger, I uh, tweeted at him about that this morning. That was pretty cool. But yeah, that's kind of what we've been doing. So you want a cookie now, or like? Yeah, I just thought it was fun. I just thought you know we we hadn't we haven't really talked about what we've been doing in the middle of all of this. 
you know, this is hey, normal. Brian? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, in this day and age, you can't give him a cookie. That's that's actually um, anti-woke. So you have to give him wheat thins. Is it gluten-free? Mm. <laughs> Anti-cookies. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll remember that for next time. Does it have wheat? I'll give him a Belvita breakfast cookie. Oh, there you go. It should be healthy. Yeah. Make him an omelet. Mm, no, I'm not making him jack. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I wanted to say. I mean, because see, I'm the one. I hear the word omelet. I flash back over to Tony and Pepper from Iron Man Two. I was going to make you an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think though we should also mention that uh, the masters of the WWE figures. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they're called. In that Wave Two should be out. Can't wait. Macho Man's going to so, be the best one out of that one, I think. Yeah, yeah. But they do they do take a, a little turn, though, I think, with the Cena and start to make him look more He-Man-like. Oh, yeah? I think he's a, like a clear blue or something. One oh, of them is. like Faker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they've announced number three, so... Uh, as of now, we have three waves. Uh, I don't know when the third wave will be out, though, but two should be out now. Well, or trickling out, I guess. Yeah, I wonder how long it's going to take for that to finally hit shelves. Uh, well, I think it depends on your Walmart. Okay. So if your Walmart's good at putting toys out uh, and ordering toys, you, you might be in luck. Your Walmart has an idiot for the toy department manager. You're probably going to be poop out of They also have, if any of y'all remember, uh, the car- Ghostbusters cartoon. Mm-hmm. They are re-releasing those figures. Nice. Now that is and cool. Those, yeah, those are out now. Cool. Uh, they look like the cartoon, so those are the ones out now. Uh so, but yeah, keep your eye out for the new figures. And I think they're putting out like 40 or 50 actual WWE figures. They have some crazy number. <laughs> well, they got time on their hands. It's not like they don't know what else have anything yeah. else to do. Um, yeah, the, the Fiend, though, looks really nice because yes. it's got the lantern. I'm definitely going to get the Fiend. I don't know if I'll get – I hardly ever get any of the new stuff. I mean, I'll, I got the Masters of the Universe stuff. And I got the Hasbro's, of course, but I don't usually get into the new stuff because it just kind of bores me. It's always the same kind of thing, but the the Fiend looks just amazing. Yeah. And then, uh, I forget who the Legends are, but one or two of the Legends are pretty cool, too. I know that Wave 2 of WWE Hero Clicks is coming out soon, which also has the Fiend in it. Um, a pretty sharp-looking Hulk Hogan and... There's a bunch of others, honestly. I can't remember them all, but there's a lot of cool ones coming out. Uh, I believe uh, there's going to be a new Asuka coming out with this coming set. There's a new Macho Man. Um, and then there's a bunch of others that haven't haven't been released yet. So those will be cool. So would it be considered unethical to put uh, a Vince McMahon action figure on the same shelf as a Cody Rhodes action figure? Ooh. Thank you no. for mentioning that, though. Yes. All Elite Wrestling's figures, which look amazing, by the way. What was this, uh, February, Brian, that they announced them? 
Yes. You run around full gear. Um, but these figures are coming out around uh, next month in May. Wow, that's just around the corner. Holy crap. Um, yeah, so... Go ahead. Uh, there, I think the only one... There's only one... Like... Um, how do I word this? There's an exclusive from... Uh, what the hell is that company... Um, that won't be, yeah, yeah, yeah. From ringside, uh, there's a Jericho that comes with the the bubbly, the bubbly, <laughs> and a table. I think it is, and something else. Now, so of course, if, you, if you're gonna collect those, you may want to look at ringside collectibles. Yeah, and of course, as tonight progresses, after we finish covering Dark Side of the Ring, if time permits, we'll certainly talk about Dynamite as the TNT tournament continued this past week. Some great matches there. Um, Dustin Rhodes and Kip Sabian. The match had a great buildup, but I don't know about you, Brian, but I wasn't really blown away by the match itself. I just didn't. For all the buildup, I was expecting more. Uh, I mean, it might be kind of hard with them two anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, their their styles don't really mesh well. Mm-hmm. So unless they they hit it right. You know, that was probably going to be hit or miss anyway. Yeah. Um, although we should mention, while we're on the topic of AEW, and normally I don't like to jump around, but ladies and gentlemen, feel free to call Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, and not get your <laughs> cease and desist letter, as the WWE has allowed the Rhodes to get picked up by Cody after letting it expire. Yeah, it's only a matter so of now, time. Yeah. So, um, who knows if that was a mistake because they have made those mistakes before or if they were just like, you know what, let them have it. Early, early after Cody's release from WWE, Triple H had did an interview where he stated he didn't care if Cody used the last name. But Cody had chosen not to pursue it because he didn't, he didn't feel he needed to use Rhodes to position his career off of which i understand but at this point you know it kind of goes without saying everyone calls him cody Rhodes, regardless so actually what oh go ahead if you saw social media earlier today cody's account Mm -hmm. when he was doing the i'll answer questions at this number for the next 30 minutes yeah first words out of his mouth hi cody Rhodes here (laughs) Well, I guess uh, I guess it's on. <laughs> and, and even though I understand what Triple H says, mm-hmm. you hold on to it and you don't let it go, and you hold on to it for spite. Mm-hmm. So, but I guess now maybe you know for whatever reason they they let it go. So, I mean, hats off to. The WWE in this particular uh, venture for allowing that man to use that name. Yeah, it's only his name, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, his last name. Well, is yeah, not. I don't think it's his, probably not his real name, but. Hmm. So. Sorry. I mean, I guess I understand because it's just like when Billy Kidman was released from WWE years ago during one of the big release fest that WWE had gone through. Um, they were telling him, no, you, you can't use 
Kidman anywhere you go because he tried to wrestle on the indies. And uh, that was the first time I remember reading about it. And I was like, God, how cold hearted you got to beat it. Like, nope, you can't use your name. And then, of course, the business aspect comes up. Well, you know, if they do that, they can try start using X, Y and Z merchandise. And it just becomes a bigger legal crap load than you really want to dive into. But, yeah, I still think it's kind of. Oh, yeah. But I, I can see that if they create the name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Billy Kidman went into the WWE as Billy Kidman. Right. That WCW created. Right. So basically, in order for him to come work for the company, you make him sign away his rights, his livelihood. He did that voluntarily. walking in the door. And so did, I mean, so did a lot of them. But at the same time, you know. Well, I, I understand a lot of them, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So even to get even in the to sign the contract, oh well, we want Billy Kidman, and now they're now wrestlers are getting smart and trademarking this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know where nobody can touch. Them. I mean, a lot of these these guys when they came in, they they were like, yeah, they're and some have said it. You know, they're getting offered more money than they've ever seen in their lives, and they're like, yeah, yeah, just give me the contract, I'll sign it, give me the pen. And then they realize when they when they're done. Oh wow, what did I just do? You know, Goldust ran into that. Dustin Rhodes ran into that. You know, he he left WWE during the late '90s into trying to go back to WCW. Wanted to take Goldust with him, and they're like, "Nope, can't do it." So, yeah, and again, I can see if it's a WWE created thing to to lock it up. But if you go in as this name, just let, you know, why even take it to begin with? So, I mean, some, I guess they probably won't. Nowadays, they probably won't even touch because some of them have used their the name prior to. And, I mean, you would think AJ is still going to be AJ once he leaves. Some of the right. really big names. Well, he has that name trademarked on his own because he was doing that even before Impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he trademarked his as soon as he was done in WCW. Oh, Hmm? did he? NWA Wildside, I guess. Because, see, not everybody trademarks their names um, the way that it's done. Why do you think Ruby Riot was was re-spelled R-I-O-T-T? Well, wasn't she? She wasn't Ruby Riot on the Indies, was she? Yeah. I thought she was just Heidi Loveless. I thought she'd done Ruby Ride as well. Hmm. No, could be. Could be. Oh, I, I did want to touch on something else before we dive into Dark Side of the Ring. I wanted to get, Brian, your official comment. So this past Wednesday... Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. 
They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street, and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, on AEW Dynamite, we as wrestling fans of the one that's better than us, MJF, learned of a heartbreaking injury that Mr. Friedman has suffered. He has vowed that he will recover and be back with us soon, but he says that this injury is debilitating and he's crushed that he couldn't perform for us fans. However, I, I know I've heard this type of injury before. Brian, a hangnail. Does it get any worse than a hangnail? No, that is the most debilitating injury any athlete can endure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it sidelines you for what seems like years if you're not careful. When Years. When, when the video airs during Dynamite, I text Brian immediately, they stole your gimmick. <laughs> they stole it. MJF has now delved into the doctor's tool bag and stolen an, a, a, a very important item from you. All right, and, and so let's let's just clarify this. So, all right, so ladies and gentlemen, for you younger people, uh, back in the what nineties, late nineties, nineties, early two thousands, one of the things that used to be real popular on the web, much like uh, what do you, what it, what uh, what do they call it today, where they do like write stories for fan fiction. Uh, Yes, fan fiction. So the the precursor to fan fiction uh, would have been what they called efeds mm-hmm. in the again the mid nineties, late nineties, uh, a little bit into the two thousands. I think before they probably all dried up. And so basically, what would happen is you would have fans, and they would a group of them would get together. So you may have. 20, 25 people in a federation and people would be responsible for creating a show, writing a show, scripting matches, saying we need interviews from you, you and you, here's what's going to happen. Very much like a, a normal Promotion. fed. Yeah. You're right. Except it was all done written, right? Mm-hmm. We, but it's probably lucky we didn't really have uh, access to cameras, or we—that would have been funny too. Oh, we didn't cut an actual promos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't <laughs> but but I uh, so anyway, so it was very much like an actual promotion, right? So you would basically come up with the idea for the show, and you would tell everybody you have till this this point in time to get your stuff in, and then once that stuff was gotten and obtained a show would be created and then you would start the process all down the line and there were they there were some really good stuff and mm-hmm. um i i really i mean i really don't want to say it but there was a lot of stuff online not just by us but by other people that was almost blatantly ripped off word for word Oh yeah, that appeared on Raw, SmackDown, Nitro, Nitro. Thunder. <laughs> you know, you name it, and 
it showed up from time to time. Well, there come a point in time where the Fed, me and Stan were running. We were kind of shutting it down. So we were started helping out another Fed. And uh, me and this other guy created this. I mean, it was, I, I loved it. It was probably the best thing I'd written. A um, week-long trek through Vegas, drunken trek through Vegas. And the whole intent was to get for us to win the tag titles. Well, that's what was supposed to happen. The guy, the runner of the promotion decided to flip script on us and basically hosed us. And so I said, okay, well, here's how this is going to play out. So for about the next year, <laughs> I told him my character was um, injured and that this, my main character, I wasn't going to use. But I still would cut promos and interfere in matches and uh, you name it, I did it. I just didn't wrestle. Well, when it was all said and done and the reveal for the injury, lo and behold, it was the hangnail. <laughs> And it's really funny that <laughs> I don't remember ever seeing it before. I don't nope. remember other than MJF being the only one to ever come up with a hangnail injury as the one keeping as a reason he's on the shelf. So MJF, I applaud you. That was a very, that was a stroke of genius. And trust me when I tell you, it is very debilitating. If you play your cards right, they can keep you on the shelf for up to a year. <laughs> and you can drive people absolutely batty with uh, telling them how bad it hurts. That was... Uh, I love when we have those moments. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> because it's cool. Because I mean, well, it's kind of cool. I still haven't forgiven Stasiak. But... You know, uh, these these moments that happen, it's just like, wow, I wonder where they got that idea. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Now, now this one, I, I'll have to say this one is probably just a stroke of genius. Or somebody was like, hey, I remember seeing something about somebody having a hangnail. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> the stuff is almost 20 years ago. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really think that, you know... I, I guess I could be wrong. It could be been in somebody's memory, but uh, yeah, the hangnail was absolutely priceless. So, absolutely priceless. I mean, it's not really the first thing we've seen directly ripped from our our grasps. I mean, Beyond the Ring was a direct stab at Beyond Ringside, canvas to canvas. Remarkably, WWE has their own C two C. It's just called canvas to canvas. Never mm -hmm. saw that coming. Jeez. Uh, well, I, so I, I, the biggest one to date that I know, or not that I know, but I will, like, yeah, you ripped us off. Like, legit ripped us off. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, some of the ideas were, they they kind of beat around the bush. Yeah. But, like, war games. We did a war games. Mm -hmm. And the very next night that we put out war games, here comes Bischoff. 
with the elimination about chamber. War games. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so but that's not the one I'm talking about. It's Stan, right? So again, Stan was doing these e feds long before me. Stan had an established character that ran through the feds, and he had a catchphrase. And now again, this predates Stasiak. Mm-hmm. Right? And th- 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 so th- this is not like beating around the bush. This is not, you know, I, I mean, this. Th- there's no other way you can explain this other than it's a straight ripoff of what Stan's character did. So for those of you that remember Sean Stasiak, that sh- this should ring a bell. Please, Stan, hit him. Hit him with oh, your geez. phrase. <laughs> so, Hit him with your phrase. My favorite catchphrase for my character was always, this brush with greatness is over. Not over, over, O-V-A. And I, I, I typed it all the time. It was all of my stuff. And I, I got a lot of that from the Hollywood Blondes, but I, they never said it. And I was like, hmm, I can use this. So that's where I got it. And then all of a sudden we were watching, this was after WCW closed. And no, I'm sorry. Go back. This is in WCW, where Sean Stasiak is suddenly getting this like crazy push. He was as Perfect Sean. Remember that where he's ripping off Mr. Perfect. Yeah, it sucked then too. But his ass comes out on Nitro, and legit looks down to his opponent. And you could have literally pulled it from a promo that I had written. Looks down as an opponent. Points at his face and says, your brush with greatness is over. And I wanted to throw my television. Of course, granted, TVs were heavier back then, so I couldn't do it. But I wanted to. (laughs) Nothing pisses me off more than being ripped off, especially by a... Sean Stasiak? You can't give it to somebody cool. Well, I I, I would imagine... Him or some of his little buddies found it. Yeah. And he decided, well, I'm going to use it. Not realizing where it came from. Not acknowledging where it came from. But that is a straight ripoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's no way imaginable. I mean, you can't tell me that cosmic fate just inter, inter, you know, interwined <laughs> And he right. woke up and said, oh, my God, this brush with greatest is over. I'm Jesus Christ. <laughs> I am the That's smartest man alive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think even Jericho ripped it word for word one time. It wouldn't surprise me. So, but anyway, I digress. Do, do we yeah. forgive the pain? The hangnail's very debilitating. <laughs> do what? I said, do we get to forgive the pain maker? Not Stasiak, but definitely I- the smartest man alive exactly <laughs> uh, what we need to do is find out the dentist office isn't he a dentist uh yeah no 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 he's a uh, chiropractor he still does a, a character okay. called phobia that he does like uh all right so a chiropractor go to his office be like hey why don't you tell us the truth where you got that from mm-hmm. <laughs> where'd you find that <laughs> Who gave you that? Back in the day, there was this awesome EFET that I used to take part in. Uh, Son of a... Son uh, of a... God. 
But I digress. What, I mean, don't forget the one guy who claimed his dad was a wrestler. So, I mean, maybe that's where it came from. There, okay, so there Pork was... Pork and beans, dude. That was <laughs> Brad Manson. <laughs> I'll never forget that guy. He was great. He was great. Well, here we are reliving our geekdom. It's cool. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on. No one will hear about that. Right, right. They, they, Although, if you look hard enough on the web, you can find it and judge for yourself. Definitely. And I'm, I'm actually positive that you would find ours to be better. Even today. Yeah, even even by what you watch today, yes. So, you know, every now and again, you come across a show that is eye-opening, that will um, make you watch it again, that'll make you tell your friends, that'll really, really get under your skin in a good way. Even if it makes you think, like, geez, this is really bad. Well, you get a show like Dark Side of the Ring. This started last year. And we saw some really interesting and intriguing storylines. I mean, they talk about, of course, these guys talk about Bret Hart and the Montreal Screwjob, where all of a sudden the question comes up from comes up from Scott Hall, where, oh, you can't tell me that, that Bret didn't know. And everybody all of a sudden starts asking, wait a minute, maybe Bret, maybe Bret did know. Hmm. And they talk about Gino Hernandez. Very intriguing story. They talk about... Um, Bruiser Brody and the the murder of Bruiser Brody. I mean, just all these, the fall of the Von Erichs, there's, there's a ton of them. So we knew after seeing the first season, hmm, these guys at Vice TV, they've stumbled onto something really, really good. Well, they didn't just stumble on it. No, they kicked the door in. Of course, season one starts with Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. They also talk about the... Uh, Fabulous Moolah. Season 2 decides, we're going to take what we did last year. We're going to take that, and we're going to go ahead and throw it on its ear because we are going to talk about Chris Benoit. That's how they started their season this year. They talk about the double murder-suicide that was Chris Benoit and his story. Of course, this is the story where Chris Benoit has gone home to Atlanta. It's the weekend of a pay-per-view. He texts Chavo Guerrero and a couple other people, giving them the exact location of where their dogs would be kept. And we would later find out that Chris Benoit had murdered his wife and son and killed himself. Now, we've talked about that a lot. We've covered it from a lot of different dynamics. But, Brian, I think you would agree. Um, During this two-episode, this two-part episode about Chris Benoit, they kind of covered it from a different angle and gave us even more than I think we would have anticipated. Um, no, uh, not, I mean, not for me. I mean, uh, so the first one, it was a two part of the first episode I thought was, uh, a little rough because, uh, there was a lot of Eddie in it. Yeah. And, uh, but the second one covered, uh, you know, the murder and they did, uh, have his son involved and her sister, Nancy's sister. Um, so it was nice to see that after so many years, those two have, I guess, reunited, uh, at least at the time of the show. 
So, but I mean, I, the story's been talked about quite a while, mm-hmm. you know, so there wasn't really any surprises other than the, the, the family, I guess, reuniting type thing at the end. Yeah, the parts that, that jumped off a page to me was uh, David Benoit talking about his father and talking about the incident from his perspective. That was heart-wrenching all over again. Um, and then, of course, Nancy's sister talking about her perspective, which, again, it just, uh, Brian, you said it. You see footage of Eddie. They've got Vicky talking about it. They've got Chavo. And you're like, damn, it, it just sucked you all the way back into the story again. Even though, just like you said, I mean, it's been covered six ways from Sunday. There's not a whole lot of other details left outside of, you know, being there, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure there probably are details. There's probably plenty of details that have never been released. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, you get the gist of it. Yeah. You really get the gist of it there. They don't really play sides. They don't, um, uh, you know, try and paint it in a light other than what it is. Mm-hmm. They do bring up the hit hit injury. Um, so they, they go into that a little bit. Um, which, I, 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 you know, I would almost like to see a documentary or something on that that type of injury considering you know it's affected not just uh him uh but nfl players mm-hmm. um you know that the concussion syndrome to the point now the game is completely the nfl is played completely different than yeah what it was you know back in the day so it, you know it would almost be nice for somebody to actually put one out explain it a little bit more um although hopefully we will we'll never have to go through that again yeah you know because uh what junior say was like that mm-hmm. um when they're quarterback or something uh i want to say that there was we do, but the sad thing is in with all the information we have about cte now we don't know exactly how many horrific things happened because people had literally lost their minds from just years of brain damage. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Benoit thing kind of tells you right away and, and Jericho does a masterful job and has done a masterful job this entire season so far in narration, not just giving a very, uh, um, Un, un, uh, by par, unpartial of a viewpoint of all of it, but also in the Benoit one really gives you a, another look, which it all kind of seals the story up in, in a, I, wouldn't, I won't say a nice neat package, I think that's kind of a mean way to put it, but it does kind of put the story together in one final way where you can look at it and go, wow, and just really take it in. And the cool thing is how wrestlers and fans alike have really been brought in on Tuesday nights where this show debuts, right? So when a show airs or premieres, then you've got guys like, you can call him Pineapple Pete. I know him as Sugar Dunkerton. 
but he's been doing watch-alongs. Um, also, Mikey Whipwreck has been doing them. Jerry Lynn has been doing them. Just watching these shows unfold. And so you go from Benoit to the next one, which is The Life and Crimes of New Jack. And I was I was talking to Brian about it before we started tonight. Man, what kind of crazy-ass dude is New Jack? Just wow. It's, it's hard to even fathom. Yeah, so I won't I won't go down the crazy road because if uh, you should ever run into him, uh, my name's Brian and that is Stan. We <laughs> called you crazy. Uh, I'm not I'm not getting in, into that. You're worried you're gonna but, get tased. Uh, hey, bro, I would I would knock it off. All right, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm putting the disclaimer out there that you said it, not me. He'll be the shorter, bald guy. Okay, shorter bald guy. Just remember that. Please, Mr. Jack. Mr. Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Jack. You're probably right to call him Mr. Jack. Mr. Jack. (laughs) That's probably the smartest way to do it. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I I was explaining. So I really, I think the new Jack one is one of my favorites so far. Right. I Mm -hmm. I love the Brody one because, I mean, that, that was a, that was something that's been played in this industry and any wrestling fan that, uh, you know, that watched Brody since it happened. Right. Yeah. So that really, that really gives us closure on, on Brody. But this one, you know, if you watch wrestling in the nineties, you knew about ECW, mm-hmm. you knew about new Jack. And then as his career progresses, you know, you may not get to see these things, but everybody hears about certain events. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they all involve New Jack. And you're like, whoa, that guy. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's really interesting that, that it's a one-on-one almost with him. And he doesn't <clears> – <throat> I mean, he just tells you. He tells you why it happened. You know what I'm saying? He's very and uncensored starts, and unabashed. Right. But but to me, I don't, I'm not going to say that – I don't, I don't want to say forgive him. But after hearing him, I can almost understand part of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not all of it. I can't, there's plenty I can't understand. But right. you can almost understand, uh, you know – why he has certain triggers you know you can almost understand the respect thing you can help you can almost understand certain parts of it that yeah. before you were just like uh i don't want no parts of new jack if that makes sense mm-hmm. but well, you know and again to me you forget that at one time he was on a rocket ship Mm-hmm. When he was with the gangsters in uh, Smoky Mountain, you know, you forget what a what a what, I don't, almost like a genius he was, and and Cornette was for giving him that opportunity just to go out there and rile the fans up, just to piss them off and do what he do what he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere along the way, he, you know, goes a little too far. But 
on some occasions. Well, you, you get you get an inside look, an in-depth introduction and re-education to New Jack. ECW fans and XPW fans alike, and uh, Sonny and Shane from our, our corner-to-corner chat, they were talking about it while it was going on. You know, just these guys are all familiar. They're like, this is the new Jack we know. This is the new Jack we know and love. We're all, you know, from outside perspectives, like, holy hell. And you start to see and learn about a guy who literally is tormented in his childhood, which you're like, dude, this guy's messed up. And not because he's gone insane, but because he has witnessed some scary, scary stuff. And I I was watching it again today before we went on the air, and I was watching it and just kind of going over some of the bits. And one of the things that happens is this is where you, of course, learn about the mass transit incident where Eric Kulas comes in there. Now, here is a kid who lies about his age, who has been wrestling with midgets and stating because he's, because he's able to do that, Paul Heyman says, I want to see this guy. So Paul Heyman seeks him out. It's credited that that's how this goes down. Well, he goes backstage and he says, here's what I want to do, and this is what I'm going to do, and I want to do this, this, and this. And he's basically saying, I want to get all my ish in, which is what we understand that happens quite a bit at wrestling shows. However, New Jack's like, uh, nope, that's not how this is going down. And you get introduced to a whole other side of New Jack at this point. And this is where you get to take a very uncomfortable look at not just New Jack, but the hardcore industry, the hardcore part of the industry. And it's like, dude, this is screwed up. Like, Devon bails. Like, he gets tossed out. And they tell him, stay out. And, of course, for all of you that that are familiar with the mass transit incident, you know this. But you get a different look because you get to hear it from the words of New Jack himself. Where he basically tells the Sandman, I'm going to F this dude up. <laughs> and I'm floored because I'm like, you know, ECW back then, they were definitely um, over the top, but wouldn't wouldn't you think at this point that Heyman would have been like, uh, let's go put a stop to this right now? Yeah, but I, I, did they know? I don't think they know his age yet. Well, no, I don't think they find out his age until after the fact. Like right, after, after it's over, because his dad's like he's right. seventeen. You can hear him screaming the yeah. whole time; he's bleeding like a pig, and and you feel bad because you know Kulas is dead now from complications with gastric by- bypass, but also most likely <laughs> some of the damage he took during this incident. I mean, it had to have hindered his ability to heal. It had to have. But you get this look at, at New Jack. You get this look at this guy who is just. Man, it's it's like watching to me it's like watching the description of Two-Face. You got Harvey Dent <laughs> and you got Two-Face. You got New Jack, the performer who knows he's got to create a character that nobody's ever seen and he's willing to take these risks and be entertaining and then you've got New Jack the man and you're like holy hell, who is who? Because they just mix and it's just like he when he does that interview and they do a really cool thing with these interviews during the show while they're doing these like faux reenactments but he's talking about i'm gonna f this dude up don't worry you don't need your legs i'm gonna throw you out of you 
I'm like, you're, you're hearing it. And I said it to you earlier, Brian. You can't help but laugh because of the candidness that he displays when he's just like, Alfie went. Like, yeah, dude, but you're dropping damn. the head, though. Yeah. You, you got to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's so much that happens in mass transit. And you then you hear basically what I think a lot of us already knew, that Paul, Paul Heyman literally works the jury. <laughs> he's like, I'm sorry, Jack. And he drops an end bomb in the middle of the courtroom where all the jury is like, <gasps> which I'm like, the wrong person to ask about this, in my opinion, is New Jack. <laughs> he's like, the black man that was on the jury picks his head up like he'd woken up from a nap. I'm like, damn. <laughs> okay, man. That's all right. I guess that's how it went down. But it it gets worse. You know, it doesn't just stop with mass transit. Of course, you get a look at the gangstinators and the gangsters and what they did in Smoky Mountain, which actually was really cool. Because yes. the look you get from Cornette's side and from D'Lo's side, never knew that. Never knew that at all. Yeah, yeah. So, again, that's where I'm talking about, like, his rocket ship. Yeah. He was going straight. I mean, that tag team was going straight to number one in the country. Right? Even if even he had to smoke some uh, pencil shavings to get there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which hell? apparently you should not do. So it's just, <laughs> That's bad. Court, if, if New Jack tells you don't do it, don't do it, right? <clears throat> That's good advice. Don't, yeah, if he says don't smoke pencil shavings, don't smoke pencil shavings. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, I don't consider myself, uh, you know, racist, uh, but when I saw these interviews and he was saying what he was saying, it was like, Oh my God, this is pure genius, especially mm-hmm. for the time and the location. Right. You know, the crowd was predominantly white males and he just went out there. He just laid it out there and then they were allowed to go back it up. Mm-hmm. Right. They were allowed to go be heels. And just so over the top, to me, was just a stroke of genius. And you just, you watch ECW, and that's when things start to, I mean, it was so good that the the quiet guy in D'Lo, right? The third, mm-hmm. I guess he would have been the third guy. Yeah. But he was the quiet one. He didn't talk like the other ones did. He goes to the WWE so good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That yeah. stick helps him get there. Yeah, very quietly he just moves ECW. up the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was it was pure genius. And it's it started to skyrocket him. And then I think ECW was the perfect fit. I don't think he could have ever gone national with that gimmick, but I mean, if ECW hadn't had them financial issues and stuck around for a little bit longer. Oh, there's no telling what else he would have done. Yeah. So, but anyway, so let's get on to the next major incident that it covers. <laughs> yeah, this with, is the uh, one I was joking with you about earlier. Yeah. Well, not really uh, joking, just marveling about. The um, XPW, the first scaffold match against Vic Grimes. All right, so, so, but before that, remember, start a year ago. Because remember, this started like a year ago. Right, b- right. Before the scaffold incident, yeah. Right, so there's two scaffold incidents. 
The first one, they decide it wasn't the scaffold match. They're just going to go up there. They're going to do a dive. They're both going to take the leap. Grimes gets up there and says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I can't do the height. It's too high. You know, they're on pay-per-view for XPW at this point. Um, New Jack is like, what are you talking about? You know, we, we got to do it. And they go ahead and they do it. They do the dive. Well, the landing, it's, uh, you've seen it on video many times. It's a mess. New Jack head, his head, his skull gets fractured because basically the, the left side of Vic Grimes lands. This is a 400-pound man. Lands squarely on the head of New Jack. So New Jack is screwed up. He's got a fractured skull, uh, vision loss in his right eye, insomnia, bad headaches, you name it. And he even says it himself that this was probably the precursor to ending his career. A year later, they get back in the ring. So New Jack is still going. And now they're doing a rematch, and it's a scaffold match. Well, New Jack tells Sandman, I'm out. I'm going to get him. He's going down. And Sandman's like, what do you mean? He says, I'm going to tase his ass. Right away, you know, like, what the hell? And there you show the footage. And again, Dark Side of the Ring does a great job with going from flashback to modern day, back to the flashback, bringing you back to current. So they're able to keep you involved fully. So they get to the, to the spot, and uh, he, he tells the story of how he goes to a pawn shop. He buys a stun gun. He tases Vic Grimes. Grimes tells him, don't do it yet. Don't do it. I, I can't. I can't feel my legs. New Jack says in a very, very matter-of-fact way, you won't need him. Whoop. Chucks him off the scaffold. Damn near killing Vic Grimes. Yeah, damn near uh, shooting him out the ring. <laughs> Just the landing. I mean, we've seen a lot of scaffold stunts. Like, we've seen a lot. And you can't call it anything else but a stunt because it's not a dive. You can't. That's not a dive. You're falling. <laughs> You're done. You know, Mick Foley, you know, being thrown from the cage. All right, no disrespect, but that's a stunt. He's going down through that table. It's the reason it's, it's so infamous that Hell in the Cell is so infamous. But Grimes lands, and, and he, when he lands, he goes... Let's see, if I'm watching the television, he falls off the right side of the tables and then just all the way down. Damn near hits outside the ring. Like, he just falls in between the tables and the ropes, and it's just this big blob mess of humanity. And New Jack's like, yep, told him. Well, no, I don't I don't think New Jack tells him. I think he just, when he gets up there, yeah, he just tases him and chucks him. Yep. If I remember it, he just like, I mean, he held a grudge for a year. Well, this is a guy and, that didn't come visit him in the hospital, never calls him to yeah. say he's sorry. And, you know, while in that part, I'm like, yeah, I can kind of understand that. You know, you've had a year of your life where you've been concerned as to whether or not you can make money. You can't sleep. You got headaches. You can't see. Yeah, I'd probably be a little pissed off, too. I don't know that I'd try to kill a man. <laughs> Tasing him, I kind of get, but I don't know that I'd kill him. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and, but that's so. that's how in depth it gets. And Brian, you tell me, does Chris Jericho make this even better with his narration or not? Mm. 
I'm captivated by New Jack, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't recall what Jericho said. I am straight up captivated by New Jack because, I mean, again, with the other two incidents uh, later on, you're almost like, oh my god, I can't believe he just, he just said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he just pretty much comes out. He's a straight shooter. Yeah, he doesn't he, deviate. He he never holds back at any point. In no, time. he's like this fat yeah. bastard's going to get going to get killed. That's exactly what he says yeah. about Kulas, and yes, he tries to kill him. He says, "I didn't yeah, want I mean, him to die, just, but I want him to almost die." Like what the yeah, hell? Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> he comes out and tells you. Yeah, I stabbed him. I don't. I, you know, so it's crazy. You know, he tells you about the the last incident with the. Uh, the one wrestler, the eighty-year-old guy. Oh my god! You know that was hard so, to watch. Well, so I've seen it before, right? I had not. But oh, it, it, I mean, I think I saw it pretty much after it happened. That that one clip mm-hmm. was all over the internet. Um, but I'm not saying it was right. But you can't take a guy like that and put him in the ring with New Jack. And not when the guy's craziness. stick yeah. is that he's the toughest SOB around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but you're partially to blame for it. Uh, I, I mean, as a promoter, there's, I would have been like, uh, let's find somebody else. There's no way this is going to happen. Right. Because, again, this guy at 80 years old, his whole gimmick is that he is the toughest guy around. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. Uh, uh, um, other uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, he doesn't. Uh, you know, take the bumps. No, he doesn't like sell it at all. Has. He doesn't no, sell. He just sits yeah, there. He no sells everything. And I mean, I'm not on New Jack's side here, but that was not smart. Right. And, I mean, the, the thing is, like, this guy is apparently, oh, oh, not really a well-known, but in certain circles considered to be a, a major legend of the industry. I don't know that I would qualify him as such, but 80 years old to be able to get in the ring, that, that gives you something. But for some reason, they thought it was a brilliant idea, and Jack was like, I'm going to snap the shit out of him. What? <laughs> And you watch it, you're watching this clip unfold, and again, I had not seen it up until this episode had come out. So, I'm watching it for the first time thinking, holy hell, he's trying to kill him. But that's that's the rep, that's New Jack, because every indie show I've ever heard about with New Jack was, or has been said, don't say X, Y, and Z to New Jack, or he will kill you. Now, I've never met New Jack. I don't know him from Adam outside of what I've seen in Dark Side of the Ring. And all kidding aside, I'm sure he's a legitimate badass and scary individual. And you're darn right I would not say any of this stuff to him and be like, yeah, hey, you should, uh, nope. Mm-mm. Yes, sir. What did Brian say? Mr. Jack? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm there. <laughs> I ain't doing that. I'm not trying to get stabbed to death. Nope. But, <laughs> whew. So you end this episode, right? You you end the episode about New Jack, and you're like, God, damn. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's next? 
what could they possibly do next? And that's where they go to the Brawl for All. The world's most uh, dangerous practical joke. I think that's the best way I could put it. Before we get into the Brawl for All edition, any closing words you'd put about the New Jack episode? Uh, Mr. Jack, that's what I would say. That's that's all. That says it all. That covers it all. Mr. Jack. Although, Mr. Jack. Although, I I think now, because he was one that was kind of like, God, if if I had the chance to meet him, would I really want to meet him? You know what I'm saying? I'd be scared. But after watching this, I, I, huh? I would be scared. I mean, I I think I would shake his hand, but I'd be scared. Yeah, I don't know about being scared. Like, like T total scared, but it was just like uh, I'd have to make sure I was on point. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yes, definitely. Like, yeah. thank you, sir. Yeah. It's really so, a pleasure to meet you, kind of. Sir. Now I'm kind of leaning more towards like it'd be interesting, or not interesting, but it'd be like if I met him, it would be like uh, I saw your documentary, dude, and I, you know, I have to say that it was one of my favorites, you know, or something. You know, maybe maybe now I would strike up try and strike up a conversation. Or before it'd be like, um, you know, Mr. Jack, uh, thanks, uh, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Like I would maybe if had an opportunity to get him to sign a picture, I would do that. You know, I would say kind of like what you just said. Your documentary was really great, entertaining. You know, find a word, but be respectful. I don't know that I would want right. to ever say anything, even as a joke, out of pocket to him. Yeah, not not until you got to know him. Even then, I wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, but I think they even said that it's a little bit different if you're if you're budge with them. Yeah, if you're friends with them. So, um, <clears throat> but uh, anyway, so uh, brawl for all. Yeah, so here's where we learn about a a shoot fight. Imagine if WWE had shooters. Well, that's the theory, right? So Brawl for All comes out during the heat, the height of the Attitude Era, and we get introduced to what if we took the WWF's toughest men, put them on the ring, and said, go ahead and really fight for real. That's the premise we were told. And, of course, they line it up. You've got the Godfather, formerly known as Kama Mustafa and Papa Shango. You've got Dr. Death Steve Williams, legitimately one of the toughest men to ever put on the boots. Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who at this time was a very impressive, massive dude. Didn't really know how tough he would be. Assumed he was tough. Now, now y'all would know him more as JBL. Correct. And then, of course, Somebody. there's yeah. Bart Gunn. Yes, the silence. Oh, well, here. don't forget about Flash Funk. Flash Funk, mm. yep, yep. Too cold. When oh, Ass yeah. said, well, I need to change my character. Let me get in this. Right, right. Right. Not sure that's what I would want to do to uh, repackage <laughs> myself. Hey, I want you to knock me the F out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so here's the concept, right? Vince Russo, creative guru, quote unquote, about uh, about this concept, says 
that he's heard backstage that Bradshaw considers himself to be legitimately the toughest man in professional wrestling. That he could knock out anybody. Well, Vince Russo says that's a hell of an idea. Let's prove your. Let's see if you can prove it. Right away, I'm like, what? You literally just gave some of your most dangerous and talented performers to a guy that, at this point, has been responsible for the spike in your ratings as far as writing is concerned. Now, granted, you have to have the talent to see your ratings actually increase. You know, you can't just write it and make it so. It's got to happen with the right guys. But at this point, Vince probably thinks, or Vince McMahon probably thinks, yeah, all right, let's let him do it. Of course, Jim Ross, in his commentary, says that he thought it was a stupid idea. And then the questions start coming in. Well, how are you going to do this? Is this legitimate? Is this a fight? Is this, are we working this? What is it? What are we doing? Well, we see it unfold and we find out that ultimately Russo has just a ridiculous hard on to see Bradshaw get knocked out. I think that's the best way I can describe this episode. It's all about how much Russo wants to see him get knocked out. But you're almost giving the punchline away before the joke. Right? So I wouldn't give away that Russo says that until after you, you set everything else up. And you talk about the injuries and everything else. And then you give, oh, well, Russo did this. Just despite Bradshaw. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're killing me, kid. You're killing me. <laughs> so, Brian, you remember Brawl for All. It happens on Monday Night Raw. We're all watching these shoot fights, as they word it. And let's just go for it from this perspective. When they announce all the compa- competition <laughs> competitors, Steve Blackman, Mark Marrow, Mark Canterbury better known as uh, um, uh, uh, Henry O. Godwin. Bradshaw, Brackus. You remember Brackus? I don't. Savio Vega, Drozdoff, Road Warrior Hawk, Bart Gunn, Bob Holly, Quebecer Pierre, PCO. Or PCO. Pierre. Was, yeah. was he one eye? <laughs> it was the eye patch. <laughs> the Godfather, Dan Severn, Eight Ball, one of the Harris brothers. And Stu Cold Scorpio or Flash Funk. So in this tournament, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven definite tough men. Blackman, Bradshaw, probably Canterbury as well. Road Warrior Hawk. Bob Holly would have been my guess between the two. Steve Williams and Dan Severn, of course. And maybe even you go the direction of 8-Ball because the Harris brothers were pretty tough and badass back in the day. Um, it's set up. It's going to be a three-round fight. you got knockouts, technical knockouts, and points, and decision by the referee. Right. So it start, the way it's supposed to start off is like a legit boxing match. It is the first, I think, one or two matches. Mm-hmm. They have different rules. They have straight, go out there and beat the tar out of each other. Right. And then they decide it's not flashy enough. So now we're going to put in other stuff. Right. Takedowns so, and... That's where they that introduced the, the, 
Yeah, they introduced the point system. They introduced the the tough man aspect of it. Because initially, Brian's right. It's, it's we're going to do a boxing tournament. Boxing on pro wrestling. What could go wrong? Yeah, and and again, I think they actually do the first night, which was one or two matches. Because I mm-hmm. think Bart said he was in the first one. Yep. And after that, the second week. They change everything up. They don't tell the audience. The audience doesn't know what in the hell is going on anymore. And they lose it that night. Like the whole brawl for all, you could have scrapped that night. The second night of it. Steve Blackman and Mark Merrill. First matchup, June 29. Blackman wins, but hurts himself during training. Has to withdraw. (laughs) Mark Canterbury and Bradshaw. This one is a slobber knocker between the two. No pun intended. Just these two beat the piss out of each other. Bradshaw wins on points. Fans collectively boo at this idea, by the way. Bracus and Savio Vega. I don't remember this fight, um, but I've got the info here that Savio wins in his first round due to points. Again, who gives a shh about points? What a horrible idea. Bart Gunn and Bob Holly. Bart wins by decision over Bob Holly. That one, I remember that one. I remember that one turning my head like, wow, Bob Holly? Because Holly back then, even back then, as bombastic Bart, I mean, seriously, Bob Holly was a tough dude. You knew he was. So that one was a surprise. Pierre and Dr. Death Steve Williams. Williams gets the win with a TKO. Um... I remember seeing this and thinking that Steve Williams wasn't looking good. Not that he wasn't tough, because that's never been a question to me. But he just didn't look healthy. And we get to the next one, which is Dan Severn and The Godfather. Now, before I say who wins, and we all remember at some point in time how this went about, would you have ever thought this match would end the way it did? I mean, it's Dan Severn. It should be like a, it should be a given, right? Eh. Eh. Well, I, I think if you look at it from your perspective back then, mm-hmm. you could see you wouldn't understand why Severn would lose. Right. But after watching the show and learning about the Godfather mm-hmm. and the fact that they have boxing gloves on, you know, to me, it might be a toss up. Yeah, so so Brian's alluding to some of these nuances that start really screwing with some of these guys' strengths. Dan Severn is a legitimate UFC champion, but uh, in UFC, you're not wearing boxing gloves. You're not hindered by a rule set that to this day still boggles the mind. And I, I think his, I think that match was done prior to some of the rule changes, mm-hmm. and he. I think he doesn't he back out. So Severn wins by points. But then yeah. after this decides, you know what? I have nothing to prove and it pulls out. So you're yeah, tough. He guys. was good. He what he he held two wasn't it two titles. He held the UFC championship and the NWA world championship at the same time. Right. And, and I mean, he he brought them to the ring. So everybody knew. Mm-hmm. So I think in his mind, if he keeps playing around with this and he gets hurt, then he loses all that. Right. 
So, yeah, I, I can see him. I, I don't know why he joined to begin with. So I don't know what kind of lie they told him. But. Yeah. <laughs> That's the easy one. And by the way, for the record, speaking of um, the beast, Dan Severn, the first triple crown winner in the history of not only the UFC, but in mixed martial arts, as well as the gentleman who won the ultimate ultimate in the world of mixed martial arts in the UFC. So if there is one person, it's like legit badass, definitely. But the brawl for all situation in play, if I was Severn, it's like, am I really under contract to do this or am I under contract to wrestle? There's a difference. Right. Well, I mean, so let's, we'll back up just a little. So apparently what happened is after they decided to do this match, it took them a while to go find people and to talk people into doing it. Like they didn't get, but one or two volunteers. I think flash funk was one that just like, yep, I'll do it. A lot of the rest of them had to be talked into it. And the way they talked him into it was, well, if you win, we're going to give you X number of dollars and we're going to put you in a program with the world champion who was at the time, I think Austin. Mm-hmm. And we're going to make you famous. Because, I mean, they were pretty much all mid-carters. So the promise, wasn't it like $50,000 or something? It was a huge chunk of money. So there was a cash payout. give you the money. Yep, and right. there was a title shot against Steve Austin. And, and the rumor was, the expectation was, that Steve Williams, Dr. Death, would be, okay, well, he's going to be the winner. He's going to be the guy, and we're going to have him feud with Stone Cold. That was the expectation. But in uh, wrestling, expectation doesn't always meet up with end result. Right. But, again, a lot of these guys really had reservations, I guess, going into it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, so flash forward, uh, uh, Severn and, and um, the Godfather there. Yeah, um, so Godfather actually has a fair showing. I do remember this. Um, but this is where his, his boxing background really gets a highlight and we see the Godfather able to hold his own. Godfather actually, uh, would be inserted into Dan Severn's place. And soon, as soon as that starts happening, by the way, in the second round, as soon as you see people start filling in quote unquote, because others have pulled out or been hurt, they should have pulled the plug on it right then and there. You know, they, they could have been like, all right, we're going to go ahead and just do a final or just say, you know what, due to injury, <laughs> just admit it. Dude. Right. That's what should have happened. Um, then, of course, you know, while we're seeing and hearing about this, while we're learning about these people on screen, Dark Side of the Ring starts taking a look at the background of some of these guys and what these guys are capable of. So the Godfather, of course, is a notable, well... He used to say he's a notable pimp. He would legitimately walk into a bar and say the next MFer who's sitting on this bar stool is getting knocked the F out. And he would walk over, find the biggest guy sitting on a bar stool, open hand slap, boom, done, knocked out. So he felt pretty confident that he could actually walk away with this. And then you start hearing about some of the, the talk backstage, like after round one. Man, this isn't really a good idea. We got some people that are really getting hurt. Second round, we got Mark Merrow and Bradshaw. Bradshaw again 
somehow wins by points. I don't remember that fight, but I do remember hearing a long, long time ago that Johnny B. Bad, also known as Mark Marrow, was a Golden Gloves boxer. So the whole points concept, in my opinion, at that point is like, what the hell? Vega and Drozdov. Drozdov uh, beats Savio Vega by points. But then we get to it. Then we get to the fight between Bart Gunn and Steve Williams. Now, for the record in Dark Side of the Ring, all of these guys are fully expecting Steve Williams to, quote-unquote, handle Bart Gunn. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, yeah. And apparently they were messing with him all day. Mm -hmm. He's going to knock you out. He's going to smoke you. You're going down. You're going down. It's all done for you, kid. Everybody just ribbing the hell out of Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn gets in the ring with Steve Williams, and Steve Williams gets knocked right out. Boom. Done. And in the process, doesn't he tear his quad and hurt his a rupture yes. of patella? Yeah, he, he yeah, he, he messes something up. So if you watch the match, um you can see where it happens because after that he's kind of he's wobbly and that's where the knockout happens shortly mm-hmm. after that. Um, and then he goes on a shelf for seven, eight, maybe a year, and then the WWE fires him. Yep. Yeah. Just a horrible way for his WWE run to end. And still, at this point, after you've lost who you had basically banked money on as WWE, that he's going to be your guy to feud with Austin next. Well, now he comes back, he's damaged goods. You can't you can't do anything with him. Which sucks. But somebody should have thought at this point, wow, this is another injury. This is another guy that is a big part of our roster that just got hurt. Still, they don't pull the plug. Godfather beats Scorpio. Of course, Scorpio at this point... Just like Brian points out, he's still, the entire time, Dark Side of the Ring, he's basically talking like, I just thought this was a great opportunity. It it was Mm. like watching one of those uh, Oscar award speeches. Thank you for considering me. I just appreciate it. I'm just happy to be here. Like, wow. Which, I mean, that just speaks to the the humility that he has about the business. I mean, I think that just speaks a lot for... Scorpio as a person did not really because this was a, a good opportunity to really voice your voice your truth right to really unload and he just he didn't he chose not to and he really easily could have gone in there going yeah this was a stupid idea I should have never did it but he actually decides not to he kind of goes a different direction with it <laughs> so we get to the semifinals and as the as the show is getting to the semifinals now suddenly you start hearing about conversation. You start hearing about Russo and how he's been talking about, you know, Bradshaw says he's a tough guy. Bradshaw says he's a tough guy. I can't wait to prove him wrong. And you're like, what the hell? Like, how perverse? Well, here's the semifinals. Bradshaw, again by points, gets past Drozdov. Drozdov, by the way, um, in his parts of Dark Side of the Ring, when he's talking about this whole deal, um, you can't help but remember the injury that he has at the—I I don't want to say at the hands of D'Lo Brown, but from his match with D'Lo Brown and the running powerbomb—and um, it just reminds you of just how many injuries happened, major career injuries happened, not just during Brawl for All, but during this era in wrestling. 
that that was what really stood out to me about his segments. Well, I mean, you actually got to see it. Yeah, you got to see him in the wheelchair. And, mm-hmm. So, and then on the other end of this semifinals, because Bradshaw wins by points, on the other end of the semifinals, you get Bart Gunn and the Godfather. The Godfather, Kama Mustafa, the Supreme Fighting Machine. Everybody's figuring again. He's going to handle Bart Gunn. So here we go, back to the same feel. Everybody's telling Bart Gunn, "You're done, kid. You're done." And he steps right up and knocks out the Godfather. In the process of this knockout, Godfather gets a concussion, tears a bicep, and what else was it, Brian? Oh, I, I don't, I don't remember. Just ridiculous injuries that happens to him on his way down to the canvas. Still, nobody says this is a really bad idea. Let's just call it. But I think you should also bring up too that after Bart beats Steve Williams, apparently nobody in the company, the higher ups, even give him the time of day. Right. Like no. they, I mean, like. He literally just ruined, and I think even Cornette alludes to it, you know, not his fault, Mm -hmm. but by him beating Williams and putting him on the shelf, you just screwed up the biggest plan they had. Yeah. And the company's pissed at him. Now, remember, this is is a shoot. This is what everybody says on television. (laughs) It's a shoot. These men are going to fight for real. They said it many times on Raw. Mm-hmm. There, is, there, is no, there is no gimmick. There is no angle. I can't tell you how many times they said it on Raw because it happened so often during this tournament, even during the fights. You're like, geez, okay, we get it. It's a shoot. Quit it. We're going to start questioning this. And as we find out, there's, there's one guy. There's one guy who's just like, nah, we're going to keep it going. Everybody, Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, Bruce Pritchard, Vince McMahon, the commentators, the boys in the back, they're all saying the same thing. This is a really stupid idea. One guy, one guy says, no, no, we got to finish this. So we go to Raw August 24th. Now, this story all plays off of how Bart Gunn, just like Brian said, just has a target on his back. As soon as Williams hits the mat, as soon as that count is registered, it's done for this guy. And he's like, well, maybe I can salvage it. You, you get a couple points where he's like, well, maybe if I win this thing, I'll ha- they'll have to shut up. They'll have to look at me. Like, And I feel like he legitimately believed, if I just keep doing this, they have to pay attention to me. Well, I mean, I think he probably still believed it. <laughs> He was going to get what they promised him. Right. Yeah. And as we're about to find out, that didn't happen. (laughs) Exactly. We get to Bradshaw and Bart Gunn in the finals. And Bart Gunn just unceremoniously, down goes Frazier. Only playing the role of Frazier is Bradshaw. And Bradshaw goes down in a heap. All of this we find out by this point was to celebrate the I can't wait to see this guy get knocked out Vince Russo who apparently this entire time is playing puppeteer with multiple people's careers 
because he wants to see Bradshaw get his comeuppance. Now, Bradshaw, JBL, is a Hall of Famer now. Um, he would go on, of course, to have a pretty damn good career, I think. And people will now consider him to be, well, it depends on who you ask. Some consider him a bully. Some consider him to be um, a legend. Some consider him to be an asshole. Some consider him to be a great friend. It all depends on who you ask. But the fact of the matter is Bradshaw does come off of this, come out of this tournament with some, uh, some kind of a following and some kind of a growth as a person. Bart Gunn, on the other hand, because he's just won it. It's good. It's gravy. We're headed to WrestleMania. He's like, it's going to happen for me. It's going to happen for me. No. Because now Vince Russo has, and this is by Vince Russo's own description on Dark Side of the Ring, where he's basically saying, yeah, I finally got to see it. Like, he just got to watch the best, you know, the best match he's ever witnessed. I finally got it. Well, now you got Bart Gunn, and you got to do something with him. And that's where they bring in Butterbean. And by the description of all parties involved, you'd have thought that Bart Gunn had the biggest, you know, ego on the face of the planet. But if you ask any of the guys and you hear them all talking about it during this episode, not one of them says a negative thing about Bart Gunn. Not one. But Butterbean's coming to WrestleMania 15, and it's going to be a regular boxing match between him and Bart Gunn. And he, Butterbean comes in and, and he says it, during Dark Side of the Ring, oh, yeah, they told me to knock him out. No, no. Vince. Yeah. It wasn't they. It was Vince. You're right. You're right. It was Vince, Vince brought him in for the sole purpose of destroying him. Knock him out. Put him down. No, of course, Butterbean talks about, hey, this is completely different than what these guys have been doing. No disrespect, but I've been doing this for a long time. Blah, 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 blah. I get it. Butterbean's a, a badass. Okay, great. And he definitely does knock out Bart Gunn in 35 seconds. And after WrestleMania, in the midst of their post-Mania layoffs, bye-bye, Bart Gunn. I didn't actually used to have any kind of true emotion towards Vince Rosso before this episode of Dark Side of the Ring. But I really don't like the guy now. I really truly, in a personal fashion, don't like him because of the cavalier attitude he took with so many so many careers just to just to watch a guy get knocked out. All right, so I'm not going to play Russo's advocate because once again he was a puppet himself because unless Vince stops it, nobody's going to stop. It. So Vince goes along with it, right? Mhm. And until they start meddling by changing the rules, allowing takedowns, a straight-up boxing match probably would have, if you'd kept it as that, probably would have been the best thing for you. Mm -hmm. Okay? But Russo is not the sole villain here. They all are. Vince is... That's McMahon. Russo is for coming up with the boneheaded thing. And let's not forget that some of these guys were like, eh, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. They weren't forced to do it. 
They signed up for it. That was one of the big things at the beginning. They signed up for it. Yeah, they all said they'll do it. That's true. Very true point. So I, I understand that maybe he was like, oh, I hope JBL does this mm-hmm. so I can see him get knocked out. Maybe the, the the start of why this was created. But this grew a leg of its own. Other than, I think Steve Williams was a plant in there. And probably the only plant. Because they said, well, Dr. Death's going to just walk, take this thing home. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, even Jim Ross says it a couple times. Everybody expected yes. Steve Williams to take this. Everybody. And, and I'm sure as long as Steve Williams was in there, Jim Ross was behind this. Right. Because sooner or later I'm they're sure going to run into Dr. Steve Williams was in there. Yeah. Right. I'm sure when Steve Williams was in there, Cornette was behind this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they all were into this once Williams was in there. And then after Williams goes down, they're like, oh, crap. We just <laughs> allowed the main event at WrestleMania to get screwed up. Yeah. And then they, instead of, like you said, stopping it, well, we can't stop it. We're five matches into this. Right. No, you could have come up with everybody's got an injury. We have to stop it. Go mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. The thing's over. But you don't. Russo doesn't have that much stroke. That comes from McMahon. Right? So, yeah, there are a lot of people that get blamed in this, other than poor Bart, who walked into an ambush against Butterbean. Right. Because even, even, I mean, the company takes Bart, says, hey, we're going to take you off TV. We're going to send you to learn boxing. Bart even comes out and says, after he got trained, he thought he was a boxer. You're not a boxer. Butterbean even says that had they, had he been allowed to fight prior to training, he may very well have beaten him. Bart may have beaten Butterbean. Mm-hmm. That comes out of Butterbean's own mouth. I mean, the, so the, the participants... I think, other than Williams, who, again, I think was planted in there, mm-hmm. most of them had no, no earthly clue what was going to happen. Because they're not boxers, they're wrestlers, right? That's why boxers only box maybe once a year, twice a year. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Apparently, These guys there's are doing a lot it every that week. goes into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot that goes into this, and it's not just hitting weights at a gym. And but I think Russo's at fault. I think McMahon's at fault. Ross plays a part. Cornette plays a part. Mm-hmm. Anybody else on the booking committee plays a part. And I mean, I don't think that, uh, it was shady to begin with on right. why you did it, but I don't think he can take all the blame. Yeah, it's just so much, so much. Just like wow. You figured they probably looked at it, and you're probably right. They're like, "Well, you got Severn, you got Williams. Somebody's going to get this guy. It'll be good. We'll make it work." They had a plan either way. Well, if Severn wins, we got this. If Williams wins, we got this. And they probably looked past everybody else on the card. (laughs) They're like, "We got, we got two guys. We got two diamonds in the rough here. We can make this happen." Because they all looked at it like it's worked. We got two ringers. Right. I mean, who would ever thought? Right. You know. 
just and and the the whole the whole commentary from from all of the participants after the fact they're like yeah i guess it wasn't really very smart to do <laughs> i'm like all right i get it the the only guy i felt bad for or felt sorry for truly outside of steve williams because it was just a horrible deal for him um is bart gunn because like all he's doing is what he's told they right. told me to go in there and fight i went in there and fought no i'm fired Damn! <laughs> it just this. I it gave you a different perspective, especially because like all we knew at that point was from the way that WWE sold it was that Bart Gunn was a scrub. After that, like they literally just tossed him out like yesterday's garbage. I don't even think he got a mention at the any any events after that. Like he was literally persona non grata. Which, I guess, you know, for all the injuries that, quote-unquote, he caused. <laughs> what a horrible deal. So we go from what was almost comical to some more hard-hitting but damn near sinister stuff that happens in the next episodes. Um, the next episode after Brawl for All is Jimmy Snuka and the death of Nancy Argentino. Now... It should be noted that the information that comes out about Nancy Argentino only recently truly came out publicly. Like, there was no, that I can recall, and Brian, you can correct me here, but to my knowledge, there was nothing outside of Pennsylvania during this period of the 80s about this controversy. I don't remember it until, I guess, he just went back to court. Yeah. Uh, what five years ago however however long it was mm-hmm. that's yep. when I heard about it yeah I mean up until that point I don't remember hearing anything Eddie from your perspective do you recall hearing anything they kept that one under wraps for quite a while and I believe it was four to five years ago when things started to finally leak out and once mm-hmm. they started to it's kind of like what mm-hmm. it, well, no I take it I think the first time I might have heard that was when Luger had the, uh, and Elizabeth, that thing happened. Right. I, I think I may have heard about it then, but I want to say that at the trial, I thought it might have been a second woman. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't put that it was about the same woman until Dark Side of the Ring. Right. I mean, that's how well it was kept under wraps. And during this episode, we would find out just how many hands there were in keeping this. Just a deep, dark secret. First and foremost, you know, back during this period of the rock and wrestling connection, um, Roddy Piper has said it multiple times. Hogan's even said it in interviews. Savage has gone on record and said it. All of these guys were coked up out of their damn minds. On a frequent basis. So the story goes like this. Snooka and Nancy Argentino get together. Of course, Snooka's married. So this is one of his uh, road girlfriends. Flings. What's that? Flings. Right. But apparently they have... Go ahead, Brian. Oh, but she turns into his handler. Right. So Snooka becomes a, a person that people can't deal with, apparently. Buddy Rogers had been his second, and then finally he's like, yeah, I can't deal with this guy. I can't help him. I can't work with him. I won't ride with him. And that's what happens. 
So they ask Nancy, or not, yeah, Nancy. Oh, I just, I just happened to notice that. Damn. So they ask Nancy, hey, can you help us out? Can you help get Jimmy where he needs to go? So suddenly, Nancy Argentino, the road girlfriend, this fling, is now suddenly responsible for getting him back and forth to shows and getting him back and forth to signings and events. And this whole and doesn't time, she go on the payroll? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, she was getting paid by Vince. Now, granted, there's there, we don't I don't know what she was getting paid, but I'm sure she was getting a good good amount just to keep her quiet. So Snuka is apparently a head case at this point. He's paranoid. He thinks that people are out to get him. He's, you know, he's, of course, the entire time this is happening back behind the scenes that we don't know about, he's having ridiculous matches with Don Morocco. Standing in the ring with guys like Hulk Hogan. I mean, he is, his star is, just like Ryan talked about earlier, his rocket was on his back. And we find out that this this relationship was as rocky as they could get. The family doesn't like Jimmy. He keeps to himself. He doesn't talk to them. He doesn't share with them. And then all of a sudden, we get a look at the Tonga Kid, which, oh, by the way, I always thought the Tonga Kid was Rikishi. I'm glad I'm wrong, but I, I always thought it was him. No, I knew him very well. But to hear him talk about it, you're like, dude, Jimmy Snooker was kind of a dick. Not kind of. He really was a dick. Like, you find out that, like, he's got this second life, and it's dark as hell. And, you know, he beat the piss out of Nancy apparently multiple times. They call the cops, and the cops are like, oh, well, you know, it's 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 one of the boys. It's, it's Pennsylvania. It's wrestling. It's WWF. And you start hearing, like, Vince is involved. And next thing you know, it goes to criminal trial because she had... As Jimmy says it, they were going for a ride. She had to go to the bathroom. They pull over. She gets out. She goes to the bathroom. He says, hurry up. Let's go. She's walking back. Slips, falls, hits her head, takes her back to the hotel, cleans her up. She's dead the next day. That's Jimmy Snooker's story. (laughs) Tonga Kid's like, I don't remember it happening like that. Like immediately, like, whoa, okay. And that's where you start just thinking to yourself, geez, what the hell? How the hell does he get away from this? Well, if you didn't have an interesting opinion of Vince McMahon before, let's go to the trial part. Where supposedly Vince goes into a room with the attorneys involved, and they all come out with a deal. Tells Jimmy, don't worry about it, let's go. And it's done. From Jimmy's perspective, oh, it's no, done. That, I... That wasn't the trial. Uh, it was like... Uh, Is that before the trial? Uh, like he, it never really goes to trial. Yeah, he was... Because I don't even think he was charged, yeah. Yeah. That was uh, with the, like the DA or whatever and the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went in, in with Jimmy at an interview, and Jimmy was told to go wait outside. Yep. And then Vince comes out, and it's like, we're out of here. Yep. And they just turn around and walk off. Don't say anything else about it. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Of course, Jimmy goes on and has, in wrestling, a Hall of Fame career. Many people consider him to be one of the best ever in the ring. The entire time, this is just covered and buried. And you start hearing about like how the police chief is like, oh, I don't remember actually there being any evidence of this, this, and this. I've never really had a conversation about this. 
Vince McMahon? Nope, don't know him. He never came by. Like, what the hell? Like, it's... And, and it takes a show like Dark Side of the Ring, and you're like, damn. What the actual hell is going on? But they've already proven previous season of having a grasp and a grip on being able to get in touch with the right people. I mean, the Bruiser Brody episode from season one is is reason enough to know that this show is on the level. Because you start finding out some pretty crazy facts. But it really, it's like an eye-opener. And they don't actually do anything. They don't get a chance to really reopen the case and really get it back and moving until, like Brian and Eddie had said, roughly five, six years ago. Maybe even a little bit further than that. Yeah, well, I think it starts... Uh, maybe eight years ago, because the news reporter mm-hmm. who basically brings it back up, right? It, it, you know, he, I guess, finds out about her once in a while. It hasn't been, nobody's been charged, or you know what what's going on. And he starts looking into it, and he is the one who gets the ball rolling because even he can see something shady happened, mm-hmm. and uh, he's the one that uh, ultimately gets gets the case into the court. It's just, it's crazy to see this all unfold. And, and again, we, as fans, got none of this, unless you lived in Pennsylvania, because apparently it was in Pennsylvania news the entire time the investigation's initially going on. Mm-hmm. Well, Most- I mean, just look at, uh, look at uh, Tonga Kid. Because when when they recited Jimmy's side of it, he was like, huh? Yeah, right. What? right. That's not what happened. Wait. Well, yeah, nobody ever told me about it. <laughs> because no, the cops didn't even go to him because, mm-hmm. remember, Jimmy said it was him and, and the girlfriend mm-hmm. in the car. Well, now you find out this many years later, there's a third party who basically takes jimmy's story and balls it up throws it in the trash and says that didn't happen right but nobody ever talked to him and even though he he was there for because it happened at a motel they were all staying at and he knows the cops were there he knows that you know the, the paramedics were there he knows something happened mm-hmm. the cops never went to him Right. This is his road partner. This is his, you know, I guess if you call it a best friend, his best friend, a running mate. And they never once bothered to talk to him. And it wasn't like months that they rode together. This was years. These guys rode together. Yeah. But not once did they ever go, hey, uh, what did you see? Yeah. Like, how does that not happen? I think the other part of it that was unnerving, I mean, of course, the the Vince McMahon involvement there is like, what the hell? You know, it's, it goes way beyond shady. But the other part is noticing how convinced Jimmy's wife was that all of this was a farce. And I'm like, whoa. So here's somebody that's never had any other exposure outside of most likely what Jimmy said to her. And she's just like, you know, they all said this, but that's just not who he was. Wow. Yeah, but, I mean, she she's not the wife he had at the time. That's, that's not his first wife. That would be a wife that he, they got together 
I want to say maybe 10 years before the trial or something. Um, and if you re- yes, yeah, and if you remember, she tell she is basically reciting what Jimmy tells her mm-hmm. because Jimmy would tell people if asked a certain thing, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't go into too much detail. He would just, I mean, it was pretty much the same thing. Or she fell, or whatever. I forget exactly what it is, but Jimmy would always tell people the same thing. So it's. It, on her part, it's not really a lie. She only knows what Jimmy's telling her, and she probably never went and looked. Oh no, no, no! I and don't even. Then, I don't think she's lying for him. I just, I just found it was like, wow, she's just like very much like this is what I know. This is well, this yeah, was that, Jimmy's truth. She only said. knows what Jimmy told. Her. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, she probably never researched it. And even if she researched it, what would the paper say? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So until she goes to trial with them, you know, all she's got is what limited information Jimmy tells her. So, I mean, this entire, this entire series, this entire show has just, you know, broken down some real significant barriers and just finding out the truth behind some of these stories that we never even really knew existed. I mean, outside of what we found out when the trial starts coming into into light some years ago, we really didn't know all of the facts. We had very few. Just that there was supposedly a woman that he apparently had been involved with her, her death and that many felt that he was responsible for it. That's the that's the best recollection, recollection I have of it before I watched The Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah. Well, don't the, the autopsy, doesn't it show something too? Doesn't it show bruises or something? Yeah, so during the autopsy, the report itself from, and uh, I want to say it was Andy Clark, I think was his name, um, the, the Pennsylvania reporter that brings this back up and gets it investigated again says that the autopsy report showed bruising and sources of a struggle and I think he even stated blunt force trauma to the head. <laughs> the police chief's like, no, she just, you know, she had a bump on her head. Like, it was very nonchalant. The whole time they talked to him, you're like, what? Come on, man. I know it's a while ago. I know it's tough to remember. But come on. But, yeah, he's just real nonchalant. Huh? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, that never happened. I guess the millions of McMahon must have just made him be like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I know we're I know we're definitely into overtime here. Eddie, if you've got another maybe, you know, ten minutes so we can close this out, is that cool? Or nope. you're good? Yeah, go ahead. Cool. So the eye opener that is the Jimmy Snooker episode just floors you right away and takes you on a ride where you're emotional, you're tied in. And that's what Dark Side of the Ring has done really well with each episode. But they really, really nailed it this past week with the assassination of Dino Bravo. Now, Dino Bravo, when you think of a professional wrestler, you know, he doesn't stand out as like this tremendous star and at the forefront of your memory. He was very good. And there's a lot of things that he did that put certain people over in huge ways. But at the time, don't start it yet. 
when he went and was just really when he dies, you're like, man, that's that sucks. Sorry to hear that he's gone. But at that point, you don't really do the math. You know, I mean, you don't really realize just all the different key pieces that are going on. And this this episode really gives you an inside look at how good Dino Bravo was and really reminds you of just how strong of a performer he was, but how much, I mean, he loved his family, how involved he was with other things. And then it really makes you question. And Brian, I don't know if you did this, but it really kind of makes you question Rick Martell. Mm, no, uh, uh-uh. I, I mean, I, for me, I didn't chase any rabbits down any holes other than Bravo. Um, so there, there wasn't, um, I mean, I was, I guess more interesting just to hear what happened Mm -hmm. than to get into any, get off on tangents or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, you've got to look at this from the Rougeos. They talk about it. Yeah. breaking up are you there no i'm here i i just was oh. just adding i was adding to what you were saying <laughs> um but no, yeah, so, no no i was agreeing with you i was just yeah, yeah. there's a lot of different takes You're in falling the, apart <laughs> there's a lot of different takes <laughs> in this bravo story that you just never realized really happened and a lot of people that talk about how much he loved the business but also how dark of a path he went down after his wwf run was done um, and he starts moving cigarettes, and he starts basically. He's the toughest guy in the room, is the story, and he's also got the heart of a you know the heart of a, a lion, so to speak, or soft heart, whatever, however you want to word it. So he's all about being his family, but he's also about doing the job. And apparently, it makes angry a group of. They, they kind of alluded to who could have been responsible, like it could have been an Indian reservation, it could have been a couple other groups. And the the magnitude of his death, the assassination of the steps that were taken to make sure that he was gone, really tells the story of, wow, these people wanted to make absolutely positive that he was not coming back. Like, it wasn't just like uh, he got shot in the chest and they're gone. Eleven times in the chest and in the head. Like, that's... Whew. <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of bullets. That's a lot of metal. Yeah. Uh, so for me, this one, I mean, it's interesting to, to watch a guy that when he was uh, in Canada was a, was like as big as Hogan, mm-hmm. right? Yep. In Canada. Or in the province, I guess. I mean, he was... Like the superstar, the local superstar. So he was huge. Mm-hmm. And then while he's got the talent, he goes to the WWE, kind of gets, you know, the the little fish in a big pond or whatever, whatever the metaphor is. And while he still has a great run, mm-hmm. he's he's not taken advantage of, right? So because we, we're at the age now where we're starting to slide away from using the uh, racial stereotypes mm-hmm. that were big in the 70s, 60s, 70s, maybe even earlier. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now he, he just becomes a, a, 
I guess, a main event level player, right? Because mm-hmm. he's all the time in feuds with Hogan and and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And then you watch what happens when it, it just all kind of leaves. And he goes back home and he's at home and, you know, he gets brought into a world that he never should have been in. And, you know, he can't pay the bills. He's got to find a different way to pay the bills. And he, he goes into, you know, I guess for lack of a better term, a life of crime. And it's not a world that he knows how to operate in. And it swallows him up and ultimately kills him. And the the depth of which this story unfolds, we would find out two days after this show actually aired that this one was almost a record-setting viewership for Dark Side of the Ring. So granted, Dino Bravo, when you think of it in wrestling terms, I don't know that I'd characterize him as, as um, universally recognized. But the curiosity and the story that was never told really of Dino Bravo is enough. And it brings in another audience that has never seen really Dino Bravo. So then you get a chance to learn about just like Brian described. Here's a guy that in, in his province, in his hometown, in his area, he was just as big, if not bigger than Hogan. And then you find out that he had, he had a huge role in getting certain folks over like earthquake. You know, John Tenta was a huge star at WWF. And if, there's no Dino Bravo. That doesn't happen. You talk, you see his relationship with Jimmy Hart. You see his, his feuds where you get to see he's working with Hogan, with the Warrior. I want to say he feuded with Savage at one point or the Boss Man. You know, there's a lot of top profile people. And then, just like Brian says, he gets wrapped up into this world of just co- contraband. Was the was the phrase <laughs> that was repeated ad nauseum during this episode? And of course, yeah, you, cigarettes. You, yeah. But you get the look at, you know, the look from his, his wife's perspective, his daughter's perspective, and how her daughter, his daughter wishes that, um, you know, he could be there for his grandson and see just how much they look alike. And it was, wow. It was, a, it was actually a very hard-hitting episode. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was really hard-hitting for me, but it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, again, cause I remember Dino Bravo and while he may not have been one of my favorites, right? I do remember that he was, you know, again, I'd put a main event level mm-hmm. for at least for a while. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And, you know, sometime after that you hear he's shot and killed in his home. And I, I'm sure they probably said something about the mob you know, at the time, but I don't remember ever hearing about the cigarettes or, you know, anything else. And flash forward now to this show and, you know, they're not afraid to put it out there. And so you just, you learn different stuff. And then we get to what's coming up this week. Well, the famed slapping of John Stossel by Dr. D. David Schultz um, continues to be the, one of the most replayed 
uh, incidents between a reporter and a professional wrestler when it comes to wrestling fandom. You can look it up on YouTube. It's readily available right there. Um, and it even gets likened to when Hogan did the uh, headlock to, uh, what's it, David Belzer, Richard Belzer, Richard Belzer, I believe. So you really get a look at this. And this week they're going to talk about how, you know, how John Stossel asked Dr. D the famous question about, come on, it's all, uh, it's all fake, right? Well, that doesn't go so well for John Stossel. We all know how that breaks down. But what we're going to see this week is the story of Dr. D and just who he is, who he was, what he was all about, and what happened during the slap. Even the preview shows Vince going, hey, what the hell? What are you doing, asshole? <laughs> it's like, okay. Like, it was... Uh, I don't remember it when it happened because, of course, this would have been pretty early in my fandom, in my life. Uh, but at the time that this breaks loose, it was all over the news, at least for a few weeks. So it's called The Slap Heard Round the World. That's going to be a great episode. I am looking forward to it. Yeah, maybe we'll, uh, if it's good enough, we'll touch on it next week. Yep. Um, hmm. for- That's going to be <laughs> Because I remember that to this day about the way everything broke down. I so I remember, I remember hearing about it. So I must, I must have been old enough. But I mean, I remember Schultz. I remember he was supposedly, you know, again one of these tough guys, legit tough guys, supposedly. And uh, I may, I don't. I'm not going to say I saw it, but I'm sure I, I think I probably saw it on the news or something because I remember it from back in the day. Well, I remember a lot about David Schultz from that particular era. Um, some of the different promotions in which he worked, he did work um, some with the world wrestling federation, worked some with the national wrestling Alliance, um, different territories. I believe um, at one point he was also in the Pacific Northwest Don Owens territory. Um, I believe had a cup of coffee in Bob Geigel Central States area. So he was the way that I've always looked at David Schultz at one particular point, he had almost achieved journeyman status. Mm. He did have a brief run in a program with Hogan, but nothing memorable. And I'm sorry to say it like that for a lot of people who want to are going into next week's show, but it's going to be an interesting watch. I'll put it that way. Well, I mean, I remember him just through, um, like, magazines, maybe off of ESPN and territories. Yeah. So, um, yeah, again, it'll be interesting as, you know, being around when it originally happened, what, 30 some odd years ago, I guess. Mm. Because that was, what, the 80s? Yeah. yeah, it's uh, 83 or 84. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about an incident that occurred that you're still talking about today. Agreed. Yeah. And now we're having another generation, a new generation, be like, holy cow. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, you can, you can catch up with all of these for free. Vice TV has done an amazing job of marketing this program. Of course, it airs on Vice... Uh, every Tuesday night. However, 
They're also, as soon as an episode airs the following day, uploading it to YouTube. They did this with the entire first season. They're doing it with the second season. My understanding is they've already been picked up for a third. You can follow them on Twitter, of course, at Dark Side of the Ring and at Vice TV, of course. But on Vice TV's, I'm sorry, Dark Side of the Ring's Twitter account, to prepare for Tuesday night's episode on Dr. D. David Schultz, let's take a look at other wrestlers versus journalists encounters. And in that, they show Hogan and Belzer, where he drops him with the headlock. They show Vader from Kuwait, where Vader got um, suspended and arrested for beating up a reporter. Uh, Buddy Roberts putting a reporter in 1985 in a figure four headlock. Um, and then, of course, the Fantastics, apparently on a morning show, again, doing the sleeper and choking somebody out, knocking him right out. And then you see Steve Kern wake him up. Which actually is pretty entertaining to watch. Um, but yeah, so that's coming up this week. Of course, this weekend is Money in the Bank. We will, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the results. we got the corporate ladder. Um, I don't know how much or how deep we'll get into it. I'm not exactly enthused, but we got a lot to cover as we get into next week. Of course, you can catch up with the show at C2C Radio Show on Twitter, Corner to Corner Show, C2C Radio Show, sorry, uh, .com for the show as always. Brian's found on Twitter at STRCP21, and he's always happy to get fan mail from people and, and, and comment back. Oh, by the way, Stan. Yes, sir. Uh, the brawl for all. I think that could be encapsulated in one particular thing that I wish had been said, because when they were trying to make the decision and took it to Vince, Vince could have easily said, "I recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a stupid ass decision, I've elected to ignore it." <laughs> that uh, well, that definitely should. Tell that that was Nick from the Avengers. <laughs> Eddie, we're just about done. Go ahead and tell them what's coming up on the network this week. Well, let's see. First off, you can find us at Beyond Ringside on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside, Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside. Yeah, Facebook.com slash Beyond Ringside Live. Damn, I've only been doing it for how long? (laughs) Um, Branding, Eddie, branding. Um, But from there, also BeyondRingside.com is home, as well as ProWrestlingRadio.net. The Back to Basics, Beyond Ringside, I'll try it again, take six. Hmm. Expect good idea. No, I don't have one, but I'll drink one. <laughs> Let me buy a lime, and I'll actually drink a Corona right now. Um. Yeah. Too soon. I think yeah, that's too- hazardous to your health. What? Too drink? woke. Oh, too woke. You've you've awoken the sleeping giants. Sir, I'll have to ask you to exit the donut. (laughs) (laughs) From that vantage point, beyond ringside, back to basics. We'll be Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central to actually 9.30 p.m. um, Eastern time, 8.30 Central. Shooter's Gallery returns this coming Thursday night, 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central. Got a lot of fun on the way. Had a lot of things going on. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and do this one real quick. Before we get away from you, I got two questions, guys, and we'll make them real quick. Number one. Is Vince McMahon having the worst month ever, Stan? Um, yeah, it doesn't. The only thing closer would be uh, his his federal trial. Brian, uh, no, I think you're just starting to see the unraveling. Oh no! 
of uh, of this guy. Flip side of the coin is Zelina Vega having the best month ever, Stan. Oh, hard to argue with that one. She is uh, she's doing amazing. She is uh, really doing a great job. I think she is having a great great time. Brian, uh, I couldn't tell you. Haven't watched Raw. You missed the uh, the Zelina Vega show from this past Monday night. Yes. Well, I did. I, I'm going to go ahead and pop your bubble in this particular regard. My show of the week this week, Monday Night Raw, AEW second. Hmm. Okay. Oh, I would expect nothing less from Bobblehead. Uh, about a- <laughs> Eat my shorts, Mark Simpson. <laughs> yes, Vince. No, better. Oh, week with EW Dynamite. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I'm kidding. He reminds no. me of my favorite racist, Dick Trickle. <laughs> Oof. Oof. You don't. Dick Trickle was a very, Dick Trickle was a very prominent NASCAR racer. And matter of fact, in the times in which we live, I said this during the uh, 5.30 show today, Beyond times Ringside like Live. Uh, thank you, Foo Fighters. America's He'd first. have to change his name in today's society. Who that? <laughs> Dick Trickle. Nah. There's no way he could race in today's market. <laughs> that actually used to be the high point for a lot of people because uh, – NASCAR, of course, during uh, certain points in time, would have a hard time getting coverage from ESPN Sports Center. But anytime it was Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann, Dan Patrick would take the NASCAR segment, which lasted about a minute and a half. And Dick Trickle came in 37th. <laughs> I was just waiting on him to extend the field because I thought it'd be funny as hell if Dick Trickle could come in 69th. Yeah, he had a he had a field day with that. <laughs> Yeah, buddy. Dan. I mean, look, I still love Dan Patrick, even though he short the XFL and came off very snobbish and elitist. I forgave that. Still one of the best shows on radio. Too bad it's not on TV. <laughs> Sorry, I lost that contract. Um, yes, Zelina Vega turned in a stellar performance this um, this past Monday night on Raw. Um, the lady is beautiful. She is eloquent. She is articulate, intelligent, comes across very well ran over the announce team a couple of times i just and i just wish she'd have worn a better outfit because that just made her look like she was ready to go out and hit the club and we all know the club is closed right now oh and coming back to nascar this would have been talladega weekend so in honor you know the nascar um, nascar is having the iRacing series today mm-hmm. you had 39 drivers in their respective setups all doing the I Talladega Super Speedway race. Oh, nice. All 39? Yeah, uh, yeah awesome. 39 drivers. Jeff Gordon got behind, um, got behind the wheel and did stuff. Clint Boyer did pretty good, good for a while. A lot of us thought Dale Jr. was actually going to win until something happened with the car. Gee, hmm. what a surprise. Dale Jr. would call in trouble. And I like Dale Jr., the um, the iRacing series would be a little bit better if one person would come back to NASCAR for this. And by that, I mean Mr. Carl Edwards. This would be a great time for Carl to come back to racing in the iRacing series. But on that note, it's been fun. Enjoy the show. 
And by the way, like I said, uh, Brawl for All. <sighs> I think that's how everybody responded. <laughs> well, so I enjoyed the I enjoyed that episode, but my retrospective of it was way off because I actually thought Butterbean was in the whole thing. <laughs> no, but. Brian's remembering victories at Bubba Butterbean. Yes, I, I, for whatever reason, through the whole thing, I was like, well, wait, where's Butterbean? Where's, I know he was in here. Why aren't we talking about him? Didn't he knock out And then he shows up, (laughs) and it's only one match. And I'm like, wait a second here. I thought Butterbean was through the whole goddamn thing here. What the shit? No, he got a fight through the first six rounds. So yeah, so my my retrospect of it was way off. Well, remember the payoff was the winner of Brawl for All got a program with a champion. They just didn't say which champion, which type. Womp womp. So yeah, so uh, it was a very forgettable event and a nice walk down memory lane. But I keep trying to forget it, but people won't let me. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I've. Completely forgotten about it again. <laughs> Other than Butterbean being like, yeah, they brought me in just to beat him up. So, Pretty much. Yeah. Like having, yeah. It's kind of like having a proctology exam with a cheese grater. <laughs> Ooh, ah, what the hell? So, well, that'll do it for us here at the Corner to Corner radio show. We will see you next weekend. Um, I'm pretty sure we'll be all right on schedule. Probably talking while Money in the Bank's going. So with that, for Rob, who's not with us. For Brian. Deuces. For Eddie. And if the Taco Bell party pack came in 24, I might actually drink it. I mean, eat it. Oh, well, better out than in. I always say, I'm Stan Grubbs, and have a great weekend or week, and we will see you next time right here on Corner to Corner. Have a great night, everybody. All right, I'm out of here, gentlemen. I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.